Last week, and over the last few weeks, we were starting a series that we've just now named. <laughs> it's kind of how we do things, right? But no, it, it is one. Last week, we talked about the fact that we as a church, as, as intergenerational, that we are one church. We're not just multi-generational, we're intergenerational, which is huge difference between the two, even though they're both important. And so I think we have some pictures from last week from our dinner on the grounds, but especially our, uh, I don't know if we have those. There we go. To have all the IGN groups last week, almost, I, I, I don't know, close to 100% of our folks showed up back there, which was great. First time we've done it in well over two years and just so thankful. Thank you for sticking around for one, but it's stepping us towards something. And that is bringing us back to the vision of what God has for us. So thankful for that. One part of that, too, I want to throw this in here. Uh, Brandon and Adrian Lean have accepted the position to, to come on board with us. It was of June 1st. I think that's a, that is awesome. And so uh, they will be here, and uh, they won't need that jacket or either one of those jackets once they move here. But other than that, that's an awesome thing. So they are coming on board again starting June 1st. We're excited about, we, you know, it's one of those things. Well, what's, his, what's Brandon's title? Uh, well, it's, it's in, it's, it'll be fluid, okay? Yeah, it will be. And so we're excited about him coming on board, and there's plenty to do. And I know you may look around going, I thought we had everything covered. We may have everything close to being covered that we're doing, but not everything covered of what we need to be doing. That makes sense? So that's where we are. So there you go. 1995, U.S. Airways Center, I think it was. Maybe it wasn't even U.S. Airways. What was it for them? America West, right? America West, 1995. I was in that room as a youth pastor from the Dallas District and the Church of the Nazarene in Texarkana. And there was between... I don't know exactly the number, between eight and 10,000 students and leaders from across the United States, Canada, in that room. I've never seen anything like it, never been to something like that. But it was phenomenal. I remember I was back at the, the back part of the, uh, the arena, sitting there watching, looking out over this, and at that time I thought this massive humanity, looking at these young people, and they were singing the song, it is well with my soul. They are teenagers, not just old people. And there was this presence, and I don't know how you're into presence or feeling or all that. I was overwhelmed by this sense of bigness of not only the number of people, but of our God. That all those kids and those adults have come from all walks of life, if you will. Maybe not all walks, but many walks of life. And they're sitting in this room. And somehow or the, the God of the universe, the God, the creator knows each one of us. He knows our needs. And he's speaking to us in that moment. And from the depths of our soul, and I'm not sure everybody, 100%, but I'm telling you, there was something there that there was being able to say, it is well with my soul. Can't manufacture it. Oh, you say, well, yeah, sometimes you can play the music just right. Okay. In 1997, Jane and I had been praying about 
in, I was in youth, still in youth ministry, neck deep in that, and the denomination had asked me to consider going to Africa for two years, taking our family, living in Johannesburg uh, for two years, and I would have flown all over Africa teaching youth ministry. And we were praying about that, so I went to, and no other reason I was going to go, but we went to the General Assembly in the Church of the Nazarene in San Antonio, and is at the Alamo Dome. And I don't know sure how many people were there, Twenty to 30,000 people in that Alamo Dome. And I was doing an interview for that, but went to that Sunday morning and watching that many people from literally all over the world, that many people taking communion together and singing together and seeing the flags from all over the world going, wow, I'm part of something a lot bigger than Texarkana First Church. Church of the Nazarene, I don't know if we have a picture of the symbol up there. You'll see this uh, along the way every now and then. Holiness under the Lord. Somebody ask us, what is the Church of the Nazarene's banner? If we were flying a flag, somebody would say, some of our kids at Valley Christian one time were asked, what's the banner the Church of the Nazarene flies? And two of our kids who I thought were raising the church said, one of them said, well, we don't dance. (laughs) And we don't go to the movies. Well, that's not a very good flag to fly, okay? Let's just figure out what we're against. And by the way, we're not against either one of them. I'll show you how good I can dance sometimes, so, so I'm not against it. And one of the kids who had just barely started attending the church, actually one of the most, I felt like, kids in my youth group that I didn't think was getting it, that was kind of, he goes, isn't it holiness? Ding. Holiness under the Lord. The Church of the Nazarene is the largest Wesleyan holiness denomination in the world. And I know when you look around, and I'm not, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, so please do not hear what I'm not saying, or I don't have time to explain what I'm not saying, whatever. Please do not hear what I'm not saying. But I know there's churches around the valley and across the country may have 30,000 Members, they're massive. Go to them. They're doing good things. You're part of a church that's 2.4 million. It's in 165 world areas. We've got 52 colleges and universities. We've got clinics and hospitals that are around the world. We've got missionaries, 165 world areas. We've got a, bro- a radio, world bro- uh, 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 I'm trying to think of it. World Mission Broadcast, I think it's like a hundred and something uh, uh, countries we go into, but I don't know how many different languages we, and our literature that we create through the Church of the Nazarene from the foundry is in multiple uh, uh, translations around the world. But when you go in there and you see, like I, like I did in 1997, and you see this massive humanity and they're singing in all kinds of languages, it just kind of blows you away that you're part of something way bigger. That you here, when you contribute here, you're not only helping this church, this local church, stay what it is and become more, we hope, into this community, this one, but you're part of many. The Church of the Nazarene, what I, one of the things I love about it, especially through our Nazarene Compassionate Ministry and our Child Development Centers, 
We're planted strategically around the world. We're already on the ground. We're already, in most places, we're already, we already have churches there, not just ministry centers. We have churches. So when disasters happen around the world, we're already there. We're not trying to, play, not, not trying to just get in there. We're already planted there, which makes us a little unique as far as uh, those who bring aid in. I'm not saying other churches don't do it. But we went there strategic. It's out of our DNA of why we were birthed in the first place in 1908. And yes, we're in war zones. And yes, we're in Ukraine. And yes, we're in Russia. And the Lord's working both places. The symbol... If you're wondering where the church of the name, the name Nazarene comes from, because I want to make sure you know that Jesus did not found any denomination. Make sure that's clear. He did not do that. Uh, but Jesus was called a Nazarene because of where he was born or where he was raised. The followers of Jesus were called Nazarenes. The Apostle Paul was on his... his uh, He's on trial for his life, and he was accused of being the ringleader of the sect, not cult, but sect of Nazarenes. And the symbol, if you have it up there, especially in the Middle East, Nazarene, it is the follower. It's called most Christians in that part of the world, in the Muslim parts of the world, are called Nazarenes. They're not called Christians. They're called Nazarenes. Nazrani. So, the only reason I tell you that is, if you say, well, I'm part of the church of the Nazarene, other parts of the world will get it better maybe than people you know around here. So it's not just something drawn, pulled out of the sky, and, and there's other stories behind why we ended up with that name. But I want to tell you today why I'm part of the Nazarene church. One of them is, we believe Christ died for all. Let me say it again. We believe when Christ went to that cross, what we celebrated and celebrated, we remembered what we did together, we believe that was for everyone. Not just select. All those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe that. We believe as Wesleyans in our heritage, working with other denominations is an easy thing for us. We don't put up walls. We really don't. Now, it may be problems for other people working with us. They may say, hey, I don't like the fact you let women in leadership. I think you're way off base. I can still work with them. They may not work with me. But you look at the church of Nazarene, even Wesley, and you look at that. I mean, I'm sure there was a time where Wesley and the abolitionist movement, they probably people were looking at him going, you want slaves to be free? We can't work with you. But just look it up. It's been in our heritage. But I love what's Phineas Brzee. You know, I don't see many people naming their children Phineas. I mean, they may put a lot of syllables together and name their kid, but, but Phineas is not one of them. 
But I love what Phineas, the founder of the Church of the Nazarene, he said, we want to build centers of fire. To this end, we strive personally to walk with God and to incite, to stir, encourage, or urge on, stimulate, or prompt others to action. If you come to the Church of the Nazarene, one of the things I hope you feel and you sense and you hear is we are prompting you to action. There are centers of fire. So when you come to a church like I Hope Renovation, you go, man, you just every week you're just pounding this thing. It's because that's what's in our DNA. It's not because we want to force you. I'm going to talk about that today. We force you to become something. We believe we present it. We have an almighty God that can do the rest of it. He can work the rest of it out. The radical optimism of the holiness message, John Wesley said, by salvation I mean not barely deliverance from hell or going to heaven, but a restoration of the soul to its primitive health, a recovery of the divine nature, the renewal of our souls after the image of God in righteousness and true holiness and justice and mercy and truth. And when you believe that, there almost is no seeing on what God can do. That's why I teach, and that's why I'm a part of the Church of Nazarene, because I believe in this radical optimism that God can. Now, you may not, but God can. You may decide not to, but God can. It's not already been predetermined. Oh, you said, well, God's sovereign. Well, we'll get into that in a minute, because I do believe he is all my heart. But I do believe he gives us a free will. So why do I bring all that up today? Again, because I believe we are one. One local church at 5604 North 24th Street in Phoenix, Arizona. But man, we are many. We are many. But I bring all that to you today. All that's fine. All that's great, and I love that. We all, I think, I think that's important. I know it is for me to understand that it builds my faith. There's so many things that go with that. But I share all that with you today because I believe the greater thing I want to talk about today is prayer. Because if you look at the birthing of the church of the Nazarene, it came out of prayer. It was a movement at one time. I'm not sure it would be referred to as a movement now in the United States and Canada. Matter of fact, I don't know how many years ago, Dr. Dan, you could tell me probably how many years ago we became a mission field. (laughs) We used to be sending missionaries, and we still do. Our growth is not here. Our growth is around the world. Philippians 4, 6, through 7, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Somebody needs to underline that because I, the day and age we live in today, be anxious for nothing. What I shared with you on Easter, that we have the saddest, most hopeless, most anxiety-ridden uh, uh, teenage window, of, I mean, in, 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 the, in, this, in this window of time ever recorded in history. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Somebody needs to memorize that. Somebody needs to memorize it, repeat it over and over till it gets down deep in your soul. And why do I bring prayer to you today? And why do I bring the Church of the Nazarene in the midst of that? Why am I bringing this to you today? Because the Church of the Nazarene, beginning today, over the next five weeks, actually from today to Pentecost, which is June 5th, in the United States and Canada, we are coming together what we call a half-million mobilization. And asking you, and I'm sure many of you have already seen those. If you hadn't already, you can pick up one of the journals out front, or I think you can, I don't know if there's a, it tells how to get on, yep, it's up there, you can see it. So you can download it. But over these next five weeks, joining a half a million other Nazarenes in that sense in prayer daily. The things that are being prayed about is protection. You say, well, does God always protect us? Well, we know we live in a world where what we define as protection may be a little different from what God defines as protection. (laughs) But I love this. God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 46. An ever-present help in times of trouble. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. I define safe <laughs> in, God's, in God's kingdom. Yeah, he may have you places you never would have imagined. But he is a fortified tower. Direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3. Let me say this. So often in scripture, the promise, God's love is unconditional, but so often his promises are conditional. How many of you want your paths straight? How many want to know direction? How many want to know where you're supposed to be walking? Well, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. We're praying for revelation. Not just true facts, but divine truth that's coming from an almighty God. Have you ever been in those moments where you're, you, you, all of a sudden there's this revelation, you finally see something, well, kind of like we talked about Easter, where the guys did Emmaus, where, the, where your eyes are open and your heart burns. There's this divine truth that comes into your life and you hear from someone else or, or, or the Lord shows it to you. You, you, you. God, we don't just need true things. We don't just need more knowledge. We need divine truth that's anointed and moves us and stirs us. We need renewal. I was just looking up the Webster's on this. Renewal, an instant of resuming an activity or state after an interruption. (laughs) 
Well, we could go all kinds of places over the last two years and be thinking about There's all kinds of things we could talk, talk about. But there's been an interruption. Now, for some of you, it started way before COVID. Right? There's been an interruption. Colossians 3 says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Can you imagine that your mind begins to be renewed back to the one who created you in the first place? If you believe that. He's renewing you. And many of you, this is one of your favorite scriptures, Isaiah 40. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And then resurgence. <laughs> this is Webster again. And they're really talking about religion here in so many ways. But An increase or revival after a period of little activity, popularity, or occurrence. Arising again into life, activity, or prominence. Rising again into life. To have this resurgence. So today, it's not about the Church of the Nazarene, and we're so glad to be a part of it. But this is about prayer. And joining together with a half a million other people. And going, let's go. We need renewal, God. We need resurgence in our community. I said to you a few weeks ago, it's hard to imagine that a small church this side can make a difference in the world. All we're trying to do is be faithful. That's all we're trying to do in the first place. We're not trying to be, hey, known for this. But what if God began to go, okay, I'm going I'm to work with you on this and our resurgence of what I've always wanted you to do. Last few weeks, or this last week, excuse me, someone sent me a, uh, a link to a YouTube teaching of Dallas Willard. And those who know Dallas Willard, I love Dallas Willard. You've heard me quote him hundreds of times at this church. He is professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California for I don't know how long, 30 years. I don't know how long, a long time. But I listened to him this week talk about prayer. And he challenged some things. You know, you can sometimes just get, sometimes you hear something. You're, you've, been in, you've been following the Lord even for a long time, and somebody says something, you go, huh, I wish that I heard that 30 years ago. Or maybe I did hear it 30 years ago and I wasn't ready. I don't know. But as I listened to him, he talks about that Blaine, he's talking about Blaine Pascal's statement that God has dignified man with causality. The power to do things. What is in your care? What is, and Willard goes on and he talks about it, not in this one, but talks about. You're, you have dominion. We are built for dominion over the things he's given us charge over. And then there are certain things we have to depend on him fully or at least in partnership with. 
He goes on to say, and he talks about it, and he says, there are things that, that are left for you to do. However, it cannot be, there are other things that cannot be left solely in your power. For instance, transformation of someone else is not in your power. Just not. Have you ever tried to fix anybody? Even Jesus says in Luke 22, 31, 32, talking about Simon Peter, says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. He didn't fix Simon. Could have. But I prayed for you. That your faith may not fail, Simon. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus was even saying, I am limited here. I could fix you and get you where I need you to get to because here's where we're going. But you wouldn't be the same because you've not been transformed, you're just fixed. When we pray, we're tying to an, into a larger system of causality, as Willard would say. Prayer is so strong, it can't be placed entirely in our hands. Aren't you glad that God does not give you everything you pray for? Yes. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give everybody else what they pray for? How would you like the fact that your neighbor has unchecked power to pray whatever they want to over you? How would you like that? There are some things in your life that God says, you can do that, just go do it. But there are other things you need to bring to prayer. Because when you're praying, you're engaging or entering a realm of power that has thrown the cosmos into place. And prayer is basically, and you've heard me say this before, is we're bringing to God what we're doing together. There are certain things you don't bring to God because you don't want him to think that you're doing it with him because you don't want him even to know about it. There are other things, I, I, I tell people, and, and Willard says this in his teaching, he said, uh, hey, just pray about, if you want to start, just pray about things you're concerned about. People go, well, that's selfish. Well, let me ask you this, would God rather you be praying about things you're concerned about or not praying at all? I mean, like I, you know, I've talked about before, and Allie or Coulter or whatever, when they were in that rebellious window of their lives, the two sitting in here today, when they were in that rebellious window at times, we found ways to be together, even though we couldn't talk about that. I'd rather them be with me in company, even in that, 
and just hoping and praying that somewhere this thing will catch on. I think when you begin to pray about things you're concerned about, the prayer of Jabez is all about that, if you used to quote that. Bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. <laughs> Made millions of dollars. <laughs> Not for Jabez. <laughs> what are you concerned about? Bring them to God. And I have a feeling he will stretch your tent pegs. You become concerned about things you never thought you'd be concerned about. Because you're walking now in a relationship with him. It begins to change you. And the reason there's such an arrangement, I believe, is that you, God wants us to grow with him. To become what we were intended to be in the first place, back to our primitive health. I'm about to show you a video, and I know we're running a little tight on time, but I think it's worth it. About a 12 minute video of Dallas Willard teaching. And all it is, you won't see Dallas, there's the picture up there, we already had the picture up there behind me of Dallas Willard. But you will not, this, for some of you, is going to stretch your theology. And I'm still processing it. But I think it's important enough to play this today. And it's only PowerPoint, and you won't see Dallas, but you'll hear him. Because after I listened to it this week, I thought, man, that is exactly what, after 30-something, 36 years of being a Christian, I needed to hear that. Let's play it. What if there are things that are never going to happen? unless you ask. Does anybody's mind come across your? I mean, does anybody's face come across your mind? Is any situation? And the thought that kept coming through to me is if we don't understand this power... The word says that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Why do we teach holiness? Because we want powerful and effective prayers. <laughs> as you look at your family, as you look at the people you're in contact, when you look at situations, maybe you're being sifted. Why do we not tap into this power? And thank goodness, like he said, it's not unchecked, but it's in partnership with him. So over the next five weeks, and I'll be bringing back some of this again next week, next five weeks we're going to be Working through the prayer journal, and one of the things that I would love to see us do along the way, and it's been mentioned here before, so we'll kind of figure out a way to get that to maybe find out some prayers that are being answered, some things that are happening, some things that are going on in our church that maybe we don't share enough, and just see what the Lord is up to. But all of us, if we would, lean in, even if it's new, lean in.
Watch this last video. We'll close. I've asked this question off and on over the years. What if I'd started six months ago? What I knew I should have been doing. Where would I be today? I hope five weeks from now, we have a different church. Because we came together as one. Oh, many, yes. But one. We came to run under the coverage of the one. And maybe just today you go, you know what? I don't want to be sitting here five weeks from now and have FOMO. <laughs> I missed out. I've never done anything like this. I've never thought about committing to a group of people. But maybe when you get together, wherever it is, whether like we did last night with close to 15 young couples at our house, a lot of great conversation. But what if all 15 of those couples, and I know we're just starting this today, would have said, what's going on in your prayer guide? What's happening in your prayer life right now? What if next month when we sit down in our iGen groups, going on sometimes it's a process the Dallas Willard said and we won't see it till we look back I challenge you today to be a part of what God is doing not because the church of Nazarene is doing it but there's sometimes you set aside a time and space and you say I'll join them and we're asking you to do that Lord, we come before you today with your people who are called by your name, who have an opportunity to humble themselves and pray. Your word tells us you'll hear our cries. So, Lord, we come before you today, not as people who think we've got it all figured out. Matter of fact, as I listen to as your servant Dallas Willard just reminded of how small I am in the midst of all this but how an awesome access I have to the creator of the universe the Lord all we know to do is to keep coming to you with prayers and petition with thanksgiving we let you monitor the power of how it all works out. And Lord, thank you today for unanswered prayers. <laughs> oh my goodness. Almost laughable as we look back. But Lord, we also can see the answers. Thank you today, Lord, for this one church here on this street in Phoenix, Arizona that we would be found faithful. And one of those ways is we never stopped 
standing in front of you with our request, our asking, and again, in the midst of it, thanking you for all that you've done and all that you will do. Well, we love you today. And thank you again for this opportunity. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. And go have an uncommon week in his name. Blessings. Blessings.